Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a live Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and tonight is the well, the exact opposite of our bowl spectacular. It's just me. So it's y'all, me, the pictures I now have on my wall. That's about it. As, uh, as y'all can see, I am now coming to you from the Permanent Command Center. Life has been wild the past few weeks. Not that you guys really concern yourselves with that, but I've been all over, been on the road, so I apologize for some sound quality issues or whatever may have occurred over the past week. But now I'm back. All the stuff's here. One day we'll give you guys like a MTV Cribs tour of what's going on. But in the meantime, thank you for making Locked On Seminoles your first listen every single day. Hundreds of you guys listen to us, and I love it. It is why we get to do what we do. So thank you. Please keep coming back. If it's your first time here, welcome. I'm going to – I mean, I hope this is a uh, a good one because I'm going to break down all of the craziness that unfolded last week. I'm going to look at the Travis Hunter deal. I'm going to give my opinion on it. I'm sure my co-hosts will have opinions when they rejoin me. Um, but I'm going to try to look look at it through the lens of we've now had – you know what, five, six days to ruminate on this, four days, I guess, five days. And what does that actually mean for the program? Why do I think Travis Hunter did what he did? Why um, I kind of have an issue with it. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to avoid giving too many thoughts on Deion Sanders because I imagine the fan base is, is still pretty split on him. And um, that's a, probably a topic for another day. So uh, I also want to look at the coaching changes. So we're going to look at Alex Atkins promoted to offensive coordinator. We're going to look at a new quarterbacks coach, and we are going to talk a little bit about what I think the departure of Dillingham probably means for the offense headed into the offseason. So stick around. We got a great show. I'm excited to bring it to y'all. But first, uh, I usually relegate, not relegate, delegate this to Drake. But today, I get to roll the video. Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, all right, folks, seriously, thank you for being here. This is a live Locked On Seminoles brought to you by Sonos, the official sound speaker, sounder speaker of college football. I've uh, Sonos. Check it out. Great to have in your home. I've got a Sonos soundbar. I love it. It's the best quality I've ever had uh, from any soundbar, and I've kind of ran the gambit of them. So anyway, uh, yeah, let's just dive right into this Travis Hunter deal. If you weren't paying attention on Wednesday, that's okay. The number one overall commit or prospect in the 2022 class has been committed to Florida State since I believe like spring of his sophomore year of high school. And he decided on National Signing Day, after tweeting every time we'd lose, right? Oh, I'm still committed. Oh, I'm still in. Yep, Florida State this, Florida State that, which was awesome. I mean, it was frankly probably the thing we had the most optimism about headed into the offseason, knowing that, you know, we'd only won five games. And he decided on signing day to flip to Jackson State. Um, yeah, yeah. So – I first want to defend my team and my coaches, right? Because we're fans first, we're people second, we're content creators and podcasters third. And I'd like to point out to the Gator fans out there, to the Miami fans out there, and to all of us that need to hear it, 
128 other FBS schools missed on Travis Hunter. Let me not mince words here. There is not a single program, not a single one in the United States of America that if Travis Hunter had called them that morning and said, hey, I know it's December 15th, but I want to come to your school, wouldn't have taken some other kid's scholarship offer and given it to Travis Hunter. Every single one of them would have done it in a heartbeat. And they may not have even thought twice. Maybe Alabama thinks twice, right? Because they're getting everyone. Maybe Texas A&M with the crazy class that they have. Maybe they they have to give it pause for a second, but they're still going to take him. So we weren't the only ones. He didn't flip to Georgia. He didn't flip to Auburn. He didn't go to Texas A&M. He flipped to Jackson State University to go play for Deion Sanders. Now, part two of that is there's been a lot of speculation about why, right? Is this the NIL? I think yes. Um, but I don't, the more I've thought about it, and the more I've talked to people that know things, I don't think there was a negotiated $1.5 million deal for him. I, th- I think Barstool is being accurate when they say that. Here is Max Moody's theory on what happened. I think Dion basically called him up and sold him on three or four main points, right? One, you're going to go to the league no matter what. It doesn't matter if you play for Jackson State or if, I mean, you Travis Hunter probably could just go play in Europe for a year if they were allowed to do that and then go to the NFL next year, right? It's going to happen no matter what. Two, I think that Dion very accurately realized that this kid has a huge Messiah complex. And I don't mean to badmouth an 18-year-old, but looking back on it, that's just how it is. Travis Hunter wanted to be the savior of a program, right? That's why he wanted to come to Florida State. So he says he's been a fan his whole life, probably has been. And he wanted to turn us around and be the one that brought Florida State back. Well, now he gets to do that on two fronts. One, he gets to do it for Jackson State, who just had their first 11-win season ever after, well, before getting utterly embarrassed in the Celebration Bowl. That was hilarious. A little bit of a, what do they call it, Freudenscheid, whatever, where you, you kind of like take, you like seeing bad things happen to people. And I think it was a double whammy on the Messiah Complex. So it was one, you can come save Jackson State, but two, you can be this pioneer for HBCUs. And oh, I don't think it's a terrible selling point. I, I understand. I I applaud Dion for you know being able to sell that. I'm actually going to have, by the way, the host of Locked On HBCU. We have an entire channel dedicated to HBCUs. He's going to join us this week to talk a little bit more about this, give his insight as an HBCU alum, like what he thinks probably went down. And um, he's a Texas State guy, but obviously he follows all of them very closely. And then three, I think that there that Barstool was very much involved but I don't think it was a number. I, I don't, I don't know. I, it just, it, that just, the more you say it, the less true it rings that they said, Hey, $1.5 million. I think Dion probably said to him, Hey, you know, I'm with Barstool, you know, I'm going to take care of you and you know, prime knows how to make money. And now that you're allowed to make money, prime's going to teach you how to make money because you look back and like Dion Sanders for all of his flaws. And believe me, I'm the first one to talk about his flaws. He was kind of the I don't want to say first, but he was one of the most prominent collegiate athletes to learn how to market himself, right? He is just, there's a reason that he hasn't touched a college football field in, I don't know, some, what, 30 some odd years. And he's still remembered as a college football player. And the guy went to what, three pro, three, four pro bowls, won two Super Bowls. And like, 
primetime is still very much known as like who he was in college. The guy knows how to brand himself. I am sure he told Travis Hunter, he's going to teach him all that, right? Oh, and by the way, you know I'm with Barstool, so wink, wink. That's kind of how I see it probably went down. And then the fourth point, of course, is, hey, you can come be coached by Deion Sanders. So there's a few other things I want to address with that. Um, But first, I do got to tell you guys about our good friends that bring you this program, and that's prize picks. Folks, you know I love prize picks. I talk about it all the time. I actually had a pretty good prize picks weekend with the bowl games. It's very simple. You download it from the Google Play or Apple Pod, whatever they call it, the Apple App Store, and you go in. And you're going to draft a team, daily fantasy style, of three to five guys, okay? Except instead of trying to score fantasy points, because you're never going to beat the guys in, in the other daily fantasy sites, right? They've got these algorithms. They've got these computer systems. You guys, you can't beat them. I'm sorry. I love you guys. You're my favorite listeners, but you just can't. With prize picks, it's a little different. So if you draft a running back, right, uh, it might say, okay, do you think he's going to go over or under 105 rushing yards? And if you pick over and he gets over 105, that's a win. Right. And that happens with each of the per- people on your team. Right. But with different statistical categories based on position. If you get three of your five right, you make some money back on your entry. So if you put $20 into your entry, you make like 40 off of that, I think. Uh, if you get four out of five right, you do a little better. So on a $20 entry, I believe you'd get 100 back. Now, if you get all five right, which again, it's just you against against these statistical categories, you're not playing 100 other people or a thousand other people, right, with all this knowledge that you don't have. You get five out of five right on prize picks, guys. You get 10x back on your entry. So go to prize picks, the app, sign up and use promo code locked on, and they will match your first deposit with a hundred dollar welcome bonus. So, well, no, that's not sorry, you got to put in a hundred, then they'll give you a hundred. <sighs> but anyway, I want to keep talking about Travis Hunter. So I, I I think there's a couple things here. First of all, like I said, 120 now that I've talked about the reasons behind it, I want to talk about what I think it means and what I take away from it. First of all, 128 other FBS programs missed out on him. So I know it was fun and it was exciting to start a big space called Fire Norvell, but that was some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard. I'm sorry. I, Drake's not here to stop me from taking shots. Love you, Drake. But it, that was sensational journalism of whoever, well, I don't even know who the guy was, trying to popularize his podcast and trying to say like, oh yeah, that's like, the guy at one point, and I was listening in and out throughout the day because I was, I was working most of the day. It was kind of a, so this was blowing up and whatever. <laughs> but this dude at one point says he knew 10 days ago that this was going to happen. I don't have a bleep button. Darn it. This is a problem with going live. But no, you did not. I am sorry. No, you had no idea this was going to happen. And if someone tells you they knew this kid was going to go to Jackson State, they are lying. Some people, some of the coaches may have gotten a hint that something was a little fishy, a little bit weird on Tuesday, maybe even Monday. Who knows? I'm pretty sure Tuesday, though. But no one knew about this 10 days ahead of time. So, again, have your little space. It was really cute, guys, that you made everyone, you know, do some weird thing where they said, fire Mike Norbell before they could talk. And you shut out any voice that comes in with any type of reason and says, hey, maybe we're overreacting because literally everyone else missed on this kid. Um, and he's going to play for Deion Sanders at Jackson State, which like, what do you, what are you supposed to do there, right? Like, it's just it's it's inexplicable. So that was ridiculous. We're not firing Mike Norvell over this, but I will say, I will say that his threshold for losses next year, I believe, 
just shrank by two. Because at first it was, okay, five and seven this year, bring in a top 10 recruiting class, bring in Travis Hunter, who, like it or not, yeah, he's one kid. He's the bell cow of the class. Bring him in. And then, okay, we can understand maybe next year is only a six or seven win season. But if you can do the same thing with another recruiting class, you're building up. Now that you have the number 14 recruiting class, or let's see, what is, what is 247 have us at now? Um, 247, which is the service I think probably does the best job of ranking them, uh, has us at number 14. But the problem is we missed on a lot of key positions, right? We don't have really anyone coming in at wide receiver. We've got Azare Thomas, four-star kid. He's an athlete, maybe could play receiver, but probably going to be a safety. Um, and we really didn't bring in any linebackers. And those were the two biggest positions of need. And we didn't really even adjust the ed- address the edge rusher problem. So now I'm not going to say fire Mike Norvell because Travis Hunter decided to do what he did. That That is one of the dumbest takes I've heard. And guys, I am on Twitter a lot. I've heard some pretty dumb takes. And that one, that was, that was looking back on it in the moment. I was like, yeah, I get it. Looking back, I'm like, these guys, that, this, that was, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But I think Mike Norvell needs to win seven or eight games next year to make me stay on the, I believe in Mike Norvell train, right? Because it wasn't just Travis Hunter. Again, you missed on Kevin Coleman, who I kind of said was like one of those canaries in the coal mine of like, for Ron Dugans, if you can land Kevin Coleman, a five-star wide receiver, then you know, okay, maybe your wide receivers coach can commit, can recruit. Yeah. Problem is, you didn't land him. You didn't land really any notable talent at wide receiver. And we're trying to figure out what's happening in the transfer portal. So the answer is your wide receivers coach cannot recruit. So let's move on. All right. We put the Travis Hunter thing to bed. I do not think that that one thing is going to get Mike Norvell fired. But again, I think it means he needs to win sooner rather than later because that was a big blow. So let's look at offensive coaching changes a bit. First, I'm going to start with the ones that, man, let me, I don't, you know what? Let me not interrupt my, my flow. Um, Ron Dugans' contract expires soon. And if that thing gets renewed and he comes back as your wide receiver coach, that will maybe make me decide I'm totally out on Norvell. Because look, right now, I don't know if Norvell's the guy. I think he's organized. I, I think. We think he's good at building a program. But here's my issue. And this isn't going to be a let's hash out Willie Taggart thing, but I think this is a very valid point. Taggart wasn't fired for what happened on the field. He was, but he wasn't. It was about him not showing up to things on time. It was about him never having a plan B. Evan Neal was a great example of why he was fired. Evan Neal, by the way, is that amazing lineman for uh, Alabama that everyone and their mother who knows anything about recruiting said, y'all are not going to get him. Stop trying. And that though that was the basket in which Willie was putting all his eggs. And it, it went the way we thought it was going to go. So Mike Norvell comes in. We're told, hey, he's always going to have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. You know what I mean? This dude's just got like he's a, you know, PMP, right? Professional, uh, professional manager of projects, whatever that thing is, right? Like he's just got it all down. Well, where the hell was plan B on signing day? Where was plan C? Because all we saw was... Plan A failed miserably. Plan 1A and 2A, I I don't know how you, you know, Travis Hunter fails. And then you start seeing guys start to leave, right? You you miss on Nigel Kelly. You miss on, um, I forget his first name, but Tyree, the D lineman that was going to go to Georgia and then came down to see us on a business visit. 
Then you go miss on Kevin Coleman, and it's like, okay, well, why don't you have some three stars lined up where you can say, hey, great news. We're going to give you a committable offer now because we need someone. And I'm sure, like, comment on the video if y'all are watching on YouTube, if if you think that maybe I'm I'm blowing it out of proportion. But the response to everything keeps being, oh, the transfer portal. Oh, the transfer portal. Yeah, guys, that worked once. Okay, we had a decent hit rate in that. I'll give you that at one position. We had two good guys in Kier Thomas and Jermaine Johnson come in, both at the same position, pretty much. I mean, interior, whatever. But And they both worked out pretty well. We can't build a whole roster off a transfer portal for two reasons. One, they've now allowed schools to bring in seven extra guys. Seven. If it's through the transfer portal. So they're, they're no longer is there that thing of, oh, well, other guys are bringing in, you know, all 20, 23, 24 high schoolers. We can actually leave some room for transfers. Now it's a now it's open season on transfers. So we're going to be competing against great recruiters, right? With better programs right now who won more games last year for the best transfers. So I get that that should be part of your plan. But if the answer to my complaint of where was plan B and where was plan C on signing day when you found out Kevin Coleman wasn't coming to your school, if the answer that's the transfer portal, it, again, that could be part of it, but they, they needed to have a plan B. They needed to have a plan C. And I'm very discouraged by how everything else went down more so than I am about Travis Hunter, because again, sucks. Uh, wish he'd come to us, but um, I feel a lot better about what happened than if you'd flip to Georgia and then I would directly blame the staff. So I want to talk about the coaching changes guys, but I do first want to tell you all about where to do your gaming action. It is that time of year. It's bowl season. It's the best time of the year. The NFL's playing on all kinds of crazy days. We got a game tonight, a game tomorrow. There's a game even on Tuesday. The Washington football team is, uh, somehow not completely out of the playoff hunt. And, uh, then bowls are going to get rocking and rolling later in this week. So BetOnline.ag should be your number one stop for all the action. If you haven't checked out our Bowl Spectacular, make sure you go back and check it out. And guys, you make your best decisions when you're full, so get some Built Bars, all right? It's not hard. I tell you guys all the time, but that's how you should stay stocked up. Built Bars, 17 grams of protein. Some actually have up to 19 grams of protein, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of carbs, but boom. All you need for a good workout, you know the rest. Eat Built Bar, you got this. But guys, let's keep rolling. I want to talk about the coaching changes. Kenny Dillingham left. He's gone. Off to Oregon. Man, it's hard to take a water break when it's just me. And I don't blame him. I, I don't I don't take it as an indictment of the program or anything like that. I just think that Dillingham had reached the point where he's he, – look, he's been under Mike Norvell. He went and did one season at Auburn. He's back under Mike Norvell. If he wants to be a head coach, it, it makes sense to go expand his coaching tree – um, go try something new, probably go somewhere where I imagine Dan Lanning, who was Georgia's defensive coordinator, who is the guy that was hired out at Oregon as the head coach and brought Kenny with him, probably going to give him a lot more control of the offense than Mike Norvell has. So I don't blame him. Uh, what worries me is we have now had two coaches leave. Kenny Dillingham. Well, he, so follow me on this. Kenny left, but that actually opens up two positions, right? Because he was quarterback's coach and OC. And then we had our linebackers coach, Chris Marv, went to take the defensive coordinator spot at Virginia Tech. Now, you know, they look, they say that like, it's good when you see your coach, you know, putting other guys at better positions. I, I agree with all that. Um, but 
what I don't agree with is the fact that we have now done not just one, not just two, but three internal promotions. It just feels lazy. You know, it's like, look, there are so many coaches, right, that are all over the country and are at all these different schools and they all have agents and you can get a hold of them. And you're telling me that that out of three consecutive times, the best guy was already on your staff? Does that sound right? Like, say it out loud and say it slowly to yourself. Our staff of whatever, 10 on the field coaches, minus two, right? So we're down to eight. And then the analyst pool, whatever there are, like 20 of those guys. That is the where the best three new coaches for three different positions are all going to reside. That doesn't make any sense to me, and I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I hope there is, but as far as I know, we really didn't do much of a national search. So it, it's disappointing. Now, I do think one of those guys is the guy. I think Alex Atkins, at offensive coordinator, is going to be awesome. I'm very excited to see what he does at that position. And frankly, we had talked about this, I think, like at the beginning of the year. We had said – we kind of hope that Kenny gets a job somewhere so we can promote Alex Atkins because we don't want to lose him down the road. And the beauty of Atkins is that you also have Chris Thompson on staff. Now, Chris Thompson, I believe, is associate head coach, assistant head coach. I, I forget. And I think he coaches tight ends. But now you worry, like, is Alex Atkins going to be able to coach the offensive line and also coordinate the offense? Like, where's he going to be? Is he going to be on the field? Is he going to be in the booth? So it's really helpful having someone that also speaks the language of an O-line coach and has been a successful O-line coach that whether, you know, can either be in the box if Atkins is on the field or vice versa, and you still kind of have that pseudo-assistant O-line coach. Uh, the other, the other Phil, by the way, I talked about this last week, so you can go back and get my opinion on it. But again, feels lazy as Randy Shannon. We just saw signing day. And you have these guys who you're told, oh, well, they've got South Florida connections. Okay. How's that working out for us? You know, there, we haven't, we have analysts on staff who are only there because of the high school they went to and we didn't get our biggest targets out of South Florida. I, like, I, I, I don't know that, that higher, I, maybe I'll do a whole episode on it there. Um, but that made no sense to me. And then finally you have our uh, quarterbacks coach. They hired Tony Tokars who he's been an analyst with Florida State for the past two seasons. He's got 11 years of um, collegiate coaching experience. Looking at my notes here. Uh, but, you know, he was with Norvell at Memphis. He was a tight ends coach. And then he came to us, I guess, as an analyst. And by the way, if you guys are wondering what an analyst is, uh, it's really simple. So you're allowed to have all these off the field staff, right? That's what Randy Shannon was this year. And they're called analysts. There is a bit of a line of what they can do. So they, they cannot participate in coaching activities, but they like basically can, right? So for instance, the way the, the way the rule is worded is they can be on the sidelines. They can be in a huddle and they can offer words of encouragement. Can't coach but they can offer words of encouragement. So I imagine there's times where, you know, that line gets blurred. Um, But the reason I'm explaining that is analyst doesn't mean they aren't actually coaching because there's compliance rules, but that is still coaching experience. 
Um, and again, he's been on the field coach under Norvell. It just is like, again, it feels like a lazy hire. Like, I don't know how in depth the coaching search was. Did we call Clint Trickett? I don't know. Wasn't he pretty good down uh, on, on second, whatever it was called last chance. You, um, just one example, right? Don't uh, please. If he, if he was a bad coach at FAU, I didn't actually follow it. Don't say I said that, but like how, how hard did we look? Right. So you're telling me the best guy to fill this position is a guy that was with you at Memphis and has been here for two years. There's no one else that could coach quarterbacks, maybe a little bit better. mm, Feels lazy, man. It does. And also you're going to go to the transfer portal and need a quarterback. I think that's pretty much been put into the dogma of the, whatever the Florida state ether, right? We've all agreed. Everyone's agreed. We need a transfer quarterback because Jordan Travis can have a great year next year, but guys get hurt. It just happens. Right. And we saw in that Florida game, you don't have an answer right now in that quarterback room. If Jordan Travis gets hurt, that can win a football game for you. In fact, you have guys that will probably be a liability if you have to put them out there and make you less likely to win, even if it's only for a few series. You do have A.J. Duffy coming in, but go watch his tape. I think A.J. is going to be a darn good quarterback. I respect him for, you know, doing what he's done. He's really been out there recruiting for us. You know, you look at the Travis Hunter flip. He could have also said, whoa, let me wait. But he said, screw it. I'm null blooded. Him and, by the way, my new favorite Seminole, Sam McCall, for who I think probably got thrown under the bus a bit by Hunter. but. Um, Anyway, and yeah, so watch his tape though. He, he's he's a four-star. He's a good quarterback. He can throw the ball, but he's not going to be like day one starter ready. And if Jordan goes down, you really probably aren't going to be able to rely on him a ton. So you need a transfer quarterback. And when these guys are transfers, they're making a business decision. They're trying to get to the NFL, right? They're like, they're not doing it for love of the game anymore, right? They tried that at their first school. Now it's a business decision. Are they really going to want to come play for Tony Tokars? I don't know. I mean, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not just trying to rip on our coaches. I'm just saying it doesn't feel splashy. It doesn't feel like big. And and you just, again, you had an open linebackers coach spot. You and a DC who, by the way, most people probably think is going to have to be replaced eventually. And then you had an offensive coordinator spot open up. And then you had a quarterback's coach spot open up. And we just made no noise, right? Nothing newsworthy. No one on ESPN is like, oh, good. Randy Shannon got hired as linebackers coach. And Tony Tokars will be coaching the quarterbacks. You know, I just, anyway, I've made the same point six times, guys. Last thing I will say on the Travis Hunter thing, because I I forgot to mention it earlier. I'm not going to blame a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid for doing what he did. Does he like attention a lot? Probably. But so does every kid on social media, right? Like, Kids that aren't number one recruits do dumb stuff for likes on social media. What bothered me was the way he did it. And I get it. Look, hey, you want to flip? You can flip. That's fine. But when he came out, talks about, oh, I'm a fan, this, that, the other. Great. Then just say, but I've decided I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I've decided that I'm going to go to Jackson State. That's fine. Putting the hat on his head, throwing it on the ground. Like, I know I'm just being an old curmudgeon, but like, that just, that just rubbed me the wrong way. So, Guys, I hope it gets. I hope it gets better. I mean, I, I'm interested to see what these new coaches can do. I'm interested to see if we start to see some names pop up for later signing day. Uh, we just made an offer to a Louisville receiver who's transferring, and he's going to make a decision in the next couple of days um, because he wants to enroll in January. He actually caught two touchdowns against us this year, so we'll keep you updated on that. And yeah, I think it's mostly going to be me this week. Drake and Dave are with their families for Christmas. Um, 
And I'm pulling Big Boy World. I am hosting Christmas for the first time up here. So I'll still be coming to you guys five days a week. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Like the video. Leave a little comment if you want. I always like to respond to you guys. Um, you know, hit that bell so you get notifications like now when I just randomly decide to go live instead of pre-recording. And if you're on the podcast, make sure you uh, hit that little plus button when you go to our show's page. I guess if you're on the podcast, you can't see what I'm doing with my hand. And follow us. And make sure you check it out on Twitter. I'm at MaxMoody17. Collectively, we are at Knowles Anonymous. And uh, yeah, y'all have a good one. Uh, thanks for the few of you that were here spending the night with me and for the rest of you. Thanks for making me your first listen on Monday. I hope you have a wonderful week. Hope it's a short week with Christmas coming up. And I will see you guys tomorrow.